The Start On Demand. On demand. You ever wonder why we tear up roads and repave them without adding bike lanes to them first? Because eventually they're just going to have to tear up a chunk of that road to add said bike lane. Well, we'll speak to somebody with Winnipeg Trails Association and Mayor Brian Bowman about that subject. For those with allergies, this is a rough time of year, especially during a pandemic. Do you suffer from allergies and do people look at you as though maybe you have COVID-19? And what are the surprises you hate? Loren McNabb recently had to suffer through one of those. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, June 24th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb and Loren, interesting dichotomy, a tale of two cities, as it were, pertaining to, uh, to me and Greg this morning. Because I've been just bouncing off the walls with delight for the last, uh, I don't know, 12 to 15 hours. <laughs> and I'm happy. I'm excited. But Greg walks in. And what did you say, Greg? Uh, I'm beginning to think that every day of the week is the worst day of the week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How come? It's all the same. I really need a break. I'm ready to take a few days off. When you start to dread every single day, usually by Wednesday, I'm like, okay, so we're over the hump, right? Yeah. Thursday and Friday, they seem to be compressed somewhat because by the time 10.05 rolls around on Friday, we can typically, for the most part, throw our hands up. Uh, the trade-off is that we end up working Sunday afternoons, booking things for Monday morning morning uh but uh yeah not feeling it today at all but you know i'll put on a happy face and just smile 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 it's funny that you said that because i woke up this morning and i had monday off and i thought to myself is it really only wednesday and uh, i've only put in a day of work yesterday so i just it's (laughs) it's one of those weeks and i was actually talking to a girlfriend about this yesterday about the idea of you know like you had I think about halfway through um, this pandemic, and I know we're not through it, but you know, in that in that moment in mid-April, late late April, early May, you start to think like, what? Where's your wall going to be, and had you hit it yet in terms of whether it was homeschooling or being alone or the isolation stuff, or, or that maybe Brett was experiencing, you know, and, and different things. And I thought I had hit my wall and passed it, but I don't know. Maybe it's kind of just maybe a more normal thing that it's. Ne- nearing summer and your body's telling you that it's time to take a break yeah and uh i mean i'm looking forward to today i'm jeff courier is taking a break right now i'm heading out golfing with jeff we usually go play kingswood but today we're heading out to bridges and starbuck and it's just going to be a spectacular day no wind looks like it's going to be nice and sunny so that's one of the reasons why i'm happy but another reason and eve is texting right away any news about your crappy chevy brett because that was the inspiration for much of our discussion yesterday. The, the problems you've had with your cars because I had that oil pressure low, shut engine down warning that was going off in my car. I took it into the dealer and I got the call at around 3 o'clock. And uh, Chris uh, says, how does uh, $32 sound for your bill? And I'm like, yes, yes, thank you, thank you, Chris. It was indeed a gunked up sensor. 
And because that was part of all the repairs that I had done recently had to do with, I had coolant leaking into the oil and it sludged up my entire engine. So they've flushed it and they've had me do a couple of oil changes recently. I'm due for another one, but I guess as that sludge continues to make its way out, it jammed up this sensor. So it's 32 bucks. I am stoked. Is I there... can't wait till this light goes back on again. Like, you know that's coming. <laughs> like, I cannot wait for this text where you're just randomly cruising down the street, maybe like a Slurpee in hand, just thinking life is great, and then, boop. Is, what? Is there a more ominous warning that your car can give you? Basically, shut it down, shut it down right now. And complete with a bing, 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 bing. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't even a check engine light. It was just this bright red warning that comes in the center of the console. And, uh, and so I've been scared that I was, that I've been slowly killing my car. And Loren, I hope you're not right. I thought about that and then I thought, no, <laughs> this is a good thing. The car is going to make its way through the year. So thanks to my friends over at uh, the uh, the Waverly Auto Mall. And I will see you right after the show. So I am pumped about that. A couple of quick text messages here on the Serb. How convenient. Pallister is desperate for people to get back to work when university staff were happily working up until a few weeks ago when they received their layoff notices. These were much-needed caretakers and groundspeople. The university is seeing more staff and students back on campus with research projects and less caretakers to keep the buildings clean. Jana saying, I just don't like the get-off-the-couch comment about CERB. These are tough times for many, and comments like that are not extremely motivating. And then on Twitter, at 680CJOB, Canadian Jane 204 says, Why does Brian Pallister continue to drive home the fact he thinks Manitobans are sir on serve are just lazy and don't want to go back to work. So keep your feedback coming at 204-780-6868. Cast your vote on the question of the day at cjob.com or on Twitter. We've thrown that poll up on Twitter at 680CJOB. Loren, what are we doing after Global News at 7? Well, it actually hits close to home for both of us. I think, Brett, we both suffer from seasonal allergies. And I know I had an appointment last week where I went in with my mask on. But I had, as soon as I walked in, the smells or something in the air just caused me to start coughing and seizing. And I thought, oh, no, people are going to think I'm ill or potentially had the flu or COVID or other. And we're not alone in those fears. There's a new poll out about how allergy sufferers are actually being confronted by Canadians who think they have COVID. So we're going to talk more about allergy season, how bad is it this year, what to watch for, and uh, what to do to deal with many of those symptoms that we get, particularly when the seasons are changing. I've actually had to pop two allergy pills already today. So yeah, I hear you. I feel you. We have all made or heard the joke. There are two seasons in Winnipeg, winter and construction. And this year seems to be no exception, Loren. Yeah, for several years, there has been a commitment to include active transportation as part of major roadwork projects. The new Fermor Bridge over the Seine River has seen major improvement to walking and cycling infrastructure. And then we know people in the south end of the city are, south end of the city are also raving about the active transportation corridor which was built in conjunction with the Southwest Rapid Transit Corridor. So that got us thinking, Greg, what about other road projects in the city that could benefit from these kinds of additions as well? Anders Swanson with Winnipeg Trails joins us now. Good morning, Anders. Hi, good morning, folks. How about uh, other road improvement projects? I, I think that's what's coming to mind for us. Why do some create space for cyclists and others not? I don't know, to be honest. I think it's a very strange way to plan a city. Um you know, we don't pick and choose which houses get clean water. Um, and uh, I think it's uh, 
sort of exposes a bit of a, a, a real problem we have in our, our transportation and essential services provision when, uh, you know, a road like Roblin uh, that's already in our plans, um, even identified, our plans actually say that we should be looking at integrating in all road work, um, anything that provides network uh, connectivity, because the fact of the matter is, no matter where you work or where you shop, uh, you might want to bike there. Wouldn't it make sense to do it at the time of the roadway improvements? Oh, man. It, uh, if you don't, um, you basically have only a, you know, a couple more decades. Um, I'll be an old man. I don't know what I'm going to doing, be doing in 20 years, but... Um, Hopefully not not what I, I'm doing right now. Um, so basically, for all the people there, um, it's going to be too late, and um, it, it gets it gets real expensive if you're going to go back and do it when you're not doing that. Um, and it just gets um, much more complicated to make all kinds of decisions along the way. So not only does it affect the street that you decided not to do, but it affects the streets that connect to it that you might have otherwise. You know, the, the things that take you to high schools, the things that take you to the community center that's nearby. So, yeah, I know those, those, especially those major streets. So, so seeing, seeing this on Roblin, something's wrong with the way we're doing things. Well, let's talk about Roblin, Anders, because that's what prompted this conversation today. The idea that there's uh-huh. this road work that's being done there that, in theory, down the road was going to include active transportation. And now we're learning that about two and a half kilometers of it is going to be repaid, but the active transportation route won't go on it. And so that's sort of the impetus for us saying, well, well, how come? Tell us a bit more about it. Um, I, I think what's going on is um, uh, there's a disconnect between um, what, what, the, what our roads, road work department sort of thinks it needs to be doing and um, what its job really is. And I think, I mean, it's a disconnect that goes back about four or five decades. Um, this idea that, you know, all of us want to be driving, even if, even if it's not true. I mean, a lot of us are, and I do. Um, but the reality is, is that there's a high percentage of people who um, are taking the bus and walking and biking. Um, and that that provision of options is really, really important. So, for example, if you're you know, living in Charleswood and, you know, you know, maybe one of one person in the family drives downtown for work. Well, the rest of the people are going to high school nearby. They're working at the McDonald's They're, you know, and, and they have transportation needs, too. And so I think what's happening slowly, slowly is there's a mental shift. But that mental shift is shift isn't being um, brought to the, all parts of the city at the same time as it needs to. And what happens is, is that you're not looking at what we could actually do um at the right time when we when when we're getting ready to tender projects like this so like what 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 needs to happen from our perspective is what needs to happen all around the world in the in the bike friendly cities that exist which is that you just you you call a spade a spade and you say look like if you got a bike somewhere you got a bike somewhere and it's 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 anywhere and basically those people don't deserve to die <laughs> you know it's pretty simple and uh and the simplest thing to do is to draw a couple lines on the paper and have it have it so that the construction companies, when they come by, they come and do the job, and, and they don't care, they do it. Anders, we're going to be speaking to the mayor in about an hour's time, and one of the questions will be about uh, transit and what comes first, more riders or better transit to improve transit, uh, to get people either out of their cars or give them the option to get back to work uh, in these COVID times. And active transportation to me is the same question. In my end of the city... I don't know 
if you could highlight a more successful project than the, the Pioneers Greenway in between Rally and Gateway, because uh, until you build that infrastructure, people aren't going to use it. I, I don't know how much more simpler it can be. The, the people are clamoring for opportunities to, to ride their bicycles in, in a safe and effective uh, fashion. You know, um, I'm glad you are. Um, and I think, I think there's a couple questions that we need to ask. Um, uh, the first one is, and it's not related to Roblin, but it's, it's related to that transit system you mentioned, which is that what is our plan for the 170,000 trips or so that usually happen on transit when we're down at around 20% and it's, we all know it's going to be slowly climbing, you know, you ask, because it's not just a matter of, okay, I have the disinfected seats and is it okay to do this? There's, there's bigger reasons um, for people to make some choices. And one was that when this pandemic happened, they no longer had a reliable way to work. So people want a reliable way to work. So they're starting to think like that. So there's a big motion. It's why we see so many people on trails. So I think we need to ask, ask uh, uh, Mayor Bowman, why the city of Winnipeg and council isn't, isn't fast tracking a bicycle network just so at least the people who are about seven kilometers away or so from work, which is a pretty, you know, bikeable distance, have an option to get some bums out of those transit seats the next time we have a pandemic and also to serve their needs. And so, so I think we should definitely ask, you know, what's the plan there and why aren't we fast tracking that? And the second thing we need to ask is, because the mayor actually brought this up the other day while I was in council, um, um, basically begging city council to, to, to do something about active transportation in the city because the number of people on the trails is just nuts and the demand is high and the need is high. And he mentioned the pedestrian and cycling strategies, and he asked me if I supported it. Um, and But then we look at things like Roblin, where you know the, the strategies themselves say we need to do something, and that's not getting done. So I think I, th- I think we really need to take a close look at what's going on at, at, at the city for this kind of thing, because we're not meeting our targets. And when, when something like COVID-19 comes along, it really exposes the fact that we could really use that other form of transportation. We could really use that network. And and, and uh, it's never been a, a more important time, I think, for people than now. Anders Swanson with Winnipeg Trails joining us live on 680 CJOB. Anders, thank you very much for the time, sir. My pleasure, sir. Thank you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, surprises you hate. To explain, we turn to Loren McNabb. Yeah, and I brought this up with our listeners yesterday around 9.15 just to get them conversation rolling and get their thoughts on it because I was mixing up some orange juice, a concentrated can of orange juice uh, Monday. And as soon as I took a first sip of it before I poured it for the kids, I was immediately disgusted by the fact that I didn't realize it was the juice with pulp. Kids didn't mind. They don't care. But I hated the pulp. Like I, and I still to this day hate pulp. It's like this unexpected surprise in your mouth where you're like, oh, why are there pieces of oranges, orange in there? And so it got me thinking, what are the other things in life that you might um, be surprised by that you just hate? Surprises can be fun, 
But I feel the same way about pulp as I do about discovering the raisin in my cookie is a raisin and not a chocolate chip bread. <laughs> Which, now that I think about it, might be worse than the pulp. Where you're like, oh, yes. Oatmeal chocolate chip, please. Good God, no, it's a raisin. Yeah. That's how I feel. I, and the funny thing is, I like raisin cookies, but when I know I'm eating a raisin cookie, when you think you're getting the chocolate yes. chip, that's the worst. I'm with you, too. I hate pulp and orange juice. Uh, so let's go around the horn here. Jeff Braun, who hates a lot of things, so I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> well... This was about 10 years ago. I'm in the grocery store down the aisle where they have the bottled water. And I saw these two liter bottles and they were dirt cheap, like a dollar each. So I was like, oh, that's a pretty good deal. So I bought a couple, take them home. A couple days go by, don't think nothing of it. Oh, I was like, oh, I'll have a little glass of water. I grab one out of the fridge. Just as I get the top undone, it slips out of my hand. It goes straight down and hits the floor. And as I, in that split second, I lean over to pick it up. And that's when I realized it's carbonated water, oh. and a whole full liter of it shoots straight into my face. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're not expecting that, it's the worst kind of surprise you can get. I'm surprised I didn't die of a heart attack right there in the moment. <laughs> that is dynamite. Uh, outstanding stuff. Outstanding, Jeff. Uh, what about you, Kelly Moore? Uh the thing that I guess drives me the most, and it's all my fault for not reading the package carefully enough, but... When I pick up a box of unsalted crackers, thinking oh. that they were salted, yeah, yeah. So that that re- definitely requires an extra slather of chunky peanut butter. You might as well just eat cardboard at that point. Yeah. Kelly. Oh, I know. Yeah, Jeff, I, eat the box. Forte, what about you, buddy? Um, actually, mine has to do with orange juice as well. It was a few months ago. I uh, pick up the the carton because I just drink out of the carton. I live alone, and I just sip out of the carton. And all of a sudden, I just I feel something slimy. I guess I guess it was mold. Oh <laughs> my, my god! <laughs> oh. <laughs> it must have been sitting in my fridge for a while. But uh, oh. Yeah, oh yeah, I spat it right right out into the sink. It was black. It was slimy. It was just it was disgusting. Yeah, oh. that's that's not just like a, like an unhappy surprise. Like that is a, a science experiment, a biohazard potentially. Oh, it was something, all right. Oh my oh. god! Oh, yeah. that actually. I was just going to say, I could just see all the people drinking orange juice right now. <laughs> oh, like, I thought you were going to say pulp, Forche, but that was worse. And now you remind me of the time, and now I, I'm gagging. I, You know, you pour baking grease into a coffee mug or a can, right, when you're cooking? Well, one time, I poured the baking grease into a coffee mug and then slugged back, like, a mouthful of pure <laughs> bacon grease. And honest to God, like, the, like the near-vomit-inducing... Oh, I've, I've also done that, well, you know, with, with, with beer and cigarette butts. Oh, God! Uh, oh, that That's exactly the place you <laughs> took me to, an exact oh. moment in time. Thanks a lot for it, Jay. No I problem. did the exact same thing. Oh, my. Dude, the, th- the thing was that I didn't want anyone to know what I just did, so I swallowed it. Oh, oh no, Jay! <laughs> what? I was so embarrassed. Oh, my God, dude. Oh. Come on. I'm ashamed of myself. Put the pulp in perspective. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, carbonated water in the face doesn't seem so bad. (laughs) I can't compete with any of this. I don't know, Mackling. You've got a good one. (laughs) This goes back to uh, September of 1995. Sitting having a beer with my buddies and my brother after a long night in the restaurant. And in walks my girlfriend along with my ex-girlfriend and what turned out to be my future girlfriend. (laughs) 
<laughs> they all thought they'd come and surprise me for a drink, and that's all I'm going to say about that story. <laughs> no, we need. I need oh. more. <laughs> that what did you say? How many drinks did you get thrown in your face that night, Mac? Actually, it wasn't that bad. Uh, they were working in a fashion show together, and my future girlfriend said, hey, what are you guys doing after the show? There's this guy I'm kind of uh, interested in. He just opened a restaurant, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, my current girlfriend goes, that's my boyfriend. And then my <laughs> ex-girlfriend says, that's my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and so they thought that they would just come on down together, all in a happy threesome, walk in the door and surprise me. And, well, my life changed uh, substantially after that's, that. you got to widen the circle, man. That's when you know to your, say to yourself, i got to widen my circle when you it know, comes to You know, uh, I was dating. in sales for a long time, Loren, and if I'd had a funnel, a sales funnel like that, I would have had an awesome October but uh, you know dating and sales are similar but you don't necessarily want those worlds all colliding like that well you mentioned happy threesome maybe it could have been a happy foursome hey text us at 204 harder than the mold and Jeff's (laughs) orange juice right now Mackling McGarry McNabb Listen to this text from Scott from Bird River on the subject of surprises you hate. Loren recently drank some orange juice and spat it out in disgust because she learned there was pulp in it. Well, Scott says, I don't mind the pulp, but my wife does not like it. So as a result, we always buy pulp-free. Probably 20 years ago at my mom's cottage, we always have an overnight glass of juice on our nightstands. Woke up during the night, took a gulp of juice, and felt something quite large which would have been pulp if that's the juice that we bought, I decided. So I spit it back into the glass, turned on the light to find a spider in my glass. Oh, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. You could, you could never have a drink by your nightstand ever again. You'd <laughs> no. have to turn the lights on. You'd have this phobia of, like, I must take my sip in the brightness of the sun or something. Like, you would never be able to do that again. You need to collect those little uh, paper hats that they put on the glasses in the hotels, you know? Have you seen those? You need to keep one of those uh, hanging around, uh, start taking those and and putting them aside. Oh, Scott, we want to know, did you ever put your juice back on the nightstand? I'm going to guess that he did. You know what I always use? I always have a bottle. Or like or something that I just can't, because I'm clumsy. I would knock over a glass of water. So I always have a bottle that would have a closed cap on it. Uh, but uh, great story, Scott. And keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868. We're oh. getting some awesome stories. But right now we want to talk about allergies. And uh, I have, as anybody knows, I have bad allergies, uh, whether it's cats. Like when I was living with uh, two cats, I had to take four medications. But I, as, far, as far as seasonal allergies go, this time of year is usually bad. I've had to take two two pills so far today, but that kind of, every time I like have to blow my nose or if I sneeze in public, Loren, I feel like, are people going to think I've got coronavirus? Yeah. And it turns out that they are. There was a new poll that was released this week by Shoppers Drug Mart, and it found that 60% of Canadians who struggle with allergies say their symptoms are causing others to think, that, causing them to believe that others might think they have COVID. And get this, more than half of those people surveyed, some 53% say they've actually been confronted by someone who thinks they have COVID and is questioning those symptoms and why they might be out in public. And so we wanted to delve more into both the poll, but also just the seasonal allergy season that we might be seeing this year. Hans Epp is a Winnipeg pharmacist and joins us now. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on your show. 
Well, thanks for taking the time. I wasn't surprised to hear that people were worried their symptoms might concern others, but I was a little surprised to hear that half have been confronted by someone. What did you make of that result? Well, I, I have, have seasonal allergies myself too, so I have to be really careful with the symptoms that I bring around, especially in my workplace, because I'm a frontline healthcare worker. Um, it, it's, it's surprising, but it's the new reality. Is years past when we've had allergy symptoms, which often include sneezing and coughing, um, people just kind of ignored it or just noticed it. But this year, uh, when anyone sneezes or coughs, everyone takes notice. So. Uh, it kind of puts the allergy sufferers totally on edge. So hopefully as a pharmacist, uh, we can actually help people to prevent that. That's got to be frustrating, Hans, for you to be in the midst of it. Anecdotally, what are you seeing from the outside looking in? Is this something that you've witnessed yourself in your pharmacy? And, and what are people talking to you about and speaking with you with regard to allergies? Do they seem to be worse this year? Or, or is there a growing number of people struggling with allergies? Well, we definitely have different allergy seasons. So we've just gone through what for most people is the worst season, which is the springtime allergies, usually due to tree pollen, etc. So yeah, definitely a lot of people with symptoms. I've dealt with a lot of people that are wanting help with their symptoms. So I'm glad that they're coming to see us first as we can be their first line of defense. Um, I think you're mentioning or some of you, like you're mentioning about medications, definitely medications can be a part of helping to prevent that. But even myself, um, I've definitely been very conscious with uh, my symptoms as they've maybe ramped up. Um, I have a bit of a different season as we're getting into the grasses now in summer. That tends to be a bit worse for me. And definitely the ragweed season, which starts kind of late summer and fall. So um, anyone with allergy issues, best thing to do is to curb those um, you know, symptoms by seeing us first, and we can definitely help with that. So I've definitely seen it firsthand. I can't say that I've been approached myself directly that someone thought maybe I had COVID, but I've been very conscious to uh, try and you know relieve and alleviate those symptoms. We got a text message from listener Adam who says, I gave up taking allergy medication only during allergy season three years ago. I now take my allergy pills every day, 365 days a year. I have not had an allergy attack in three years. That's the best way for me to beat my allergies. Is Adam on to something? Yeah, and, and a person doesn't have to take it all year round unless they probably have environmental allergies as well. But the rule of thumb that I go with is if someone knows what their allergens are, if they know that it's going to be the pollen in spring or grasses in summer, ragweed in fall, to start taking the allergy medication at least 30 days in advance. Uh, I try to do that myself. I actually started that this year as well, just due to COVID, and I just didn't want symptoms to actually present. And it's extremely effective for preventing those symptoms. So again, that person may have allergies that are not just seasonal, but possibly environmental too. So definitely some value in that. Depending on who you uh, talk to, Hans, 20 to 30% of Canadians have seasonal allergies. And unless you suffer from them and struggle with them, you might not get really how hard it is to get through a day in terms of just uh, how sniffly and coffee and itchy and, and all the rest that goes along with this. The poll that was conducted um, by you folks showed just the lengths that Canadians would go to give up their allergies, you know, talking about they'd give up alcohol or pay a thousand dollars or all the rest. Tell us a bit about that, because that shows just how frustrating these can be. Yeah, I think that uh, the different thing with allergies is that these symptoms often last weeks and months rather than just a few days if a person develops a common cold. So when they're bothered with it, they're bothered with it for a long time. 
And some of the symptoms are really presentable. Like people often have, you know, this itchy, watery eyes. Um, they're congested. They got headaches with that. Um, and definitely sneezing and coughing. So it's noticeable, and it's actually affecting the ability for them to do things and even affecting their energies to do things that they love to do in summer. I was really surprised at the level that people would go to to actually uh, try to prevent their allergy symptoms or what they would do to kind of eliminate them. So um, hopefully as a pharmacist, I can provide much easier ways to do that without maybe uh, giving up their voting rights or paying a thousand dollars maybe they can pay a few dollars for some new medication but i think we can do it in a much simpler way winnipeg pharmacist hans app with findings from the 2020 shoppers drug mart allergy index hans thank you so much for the time much appreciated sir absolutely thank you stay safe and well 714. If you've got any allergy stories you want to share, 204-780-6868. They are a pain. And Loren, you make a great point. I think a lot of people maybe just don't quite understand. If you don't have allergies, you might think, what's the big deal? But, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got to take medications, like many of them, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. Taking- and if you catch it too late, it's frustrating too. Like the poll showed that 42% would give up alcohol in exchange for never having symptoms again or their daily coffee. 25% said they'd pay $1,000 to give up their allergies to symptoms. 19% would give up their right to vote. So that shows the extremes people would Whoa. go to get rid of them. And if you catch it too late, you've offered me pills before and it's almost like, oh, it's too late, Brett. Like I'm already in the midst of this crazy thing and you just want to go home and put your head under a pillow. Yeah. I feel sorry for you guys many, many days. Uh, yeah, my my condolences. That's really all I can say. <laughs> we appreciate the support, GMAC. And uh, yeah, for those who are suffering through allergies, we're with you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're getting lots of texts at 204-780-6868, as we always do. And one of the topics is surprises you hate, and it was triggered by the fact that Loren had some orange juice the other day and realized, oh, this is gross, it's got pulp in it, disgusting. And here's a text, Loren, that uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet from Mike, but I think it's going to make you sad. Because Mike says, the worst food (laughs) surprise for me when I was seven came when I was eating a hot dog. Partway through it, I bit down on something large and hard. My gag reflex immediately kicked in and I spit it out. I have no idea what it was, but 52 years later, I still cannot bring myself to eat a hot dog. Poor Mike. Mike, you got to go back. Give it another (laughs) shot. I I will say that there are some foods, I don't know about you guys, like talking about the surprises that might be in them. Like I I have a no eye contact rule with some foods where I just don't look. Like I don't want to know kind of thing. If I get if I look too closely at the chicken wing, sometimes a hot dog, sometimes the meat, depending if it's too red, then I won't eat it. To the point where years ago my husband cooked me a steak on the campfire and I used to hate red like you know, red meat. Like I always wanted it well done. And I was raving and raving and raving about how good this steak was on the campfire and it was <laughs> pitch black. So I couldn't see and the next day he's like, I want you to know that that steak was barely alive or barely dead and that's why it tasted so good so just don't look at the food anymore and that's my rule no eye contact i have a no tricking with food rule when i started dating jackie i said you are there lots of things you're allowed to do one thing you cannot do is trick me with food you cannot tell me it's one thing when it's actually another and uh well 15 years later so far so good (laughs) as far as i know (laughs) You might not know.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mayor Brian Bowman joins us in our next segment. We're going to talk to him about active transportation and a couple of other things, including a concourse, Loren. Winnipeg Free Press has a story out this morning on a report that they were able to get on the crumbling underground concourse at Portage Maine. It's a never-before-seen report, but it details just how bad uh, the infrastructure is there. Particularly, we hear this every year, every time there's a rainfall, it feels like there's some sort of flooding in that concourse. So why haven't we seen this report before? What are we going to do about it? What are the costs to fix it? And like so many conversations in Brett, do we really need to be having the same one over and over again? Active transportation is one of them. Same goes with that concourse. I feel like we had a hint at this before the last election and the non-binding plebiscite, Loren, that there were upwards of $12 million mm-hmm. of repairs needed at the concourse. Is this up over and above that number or does this just go into that a little bit deeper? That's one of the questions. We knew it was bad. We knew that there was the issues. This report details more about the membrane, the thing that seals, I guess, there's a, a, a membrane that goes around the concourse to try to prevent water from getting in and how bad the damage is to that. What's not clear is that is the, is the cost to repair that or replace it over and above the 11 million we've already been hearing in repairs. And more than that, I have actually curious, uh, guys, what's been going on in that concourse? I used to work down there and we were supposed to move downtown, but I haven't been down there in, in months now. And uh, has any real repair been done underground? I know stuff is being done on top by different building owners, but what about that underground? It's like we talked about it for months and months and months ahead of that election and then stopped talking about it. So we're going to talk to it the mayor, about it at 7.45. After Global News at 9, we're going to do a segment that I think we're going to call Greg's Grab Bag. And the I, I sort of just the name kind of struck me because Greg's always on Twitter. I, I joke about, you know, that he's addicted to Twitter, but he often will share things that he finds interesting on Twitter. And, I, and we often just don't have time to get to them. So I thought, why don't we just do like a lightning round kind of segment where Greg can rattle off some of the things that he's found on Twitter. But one of them uh, bears or earns its own segment here. Greg, this came from a tweet from the Winnipeg police. Yes, and I always say the best uh, Twitter accounts associated with Winnipeg have WPG in them, at WPG police. That was fast. Summer driving season ended just as it started for this motorist on June 21st. Oh, it's actually the second day of summer this year, but that's okay. He c- was caught doing 162 kilometers per hour in an 80 zone on Chief Pegwis Trail. This driver faces a $1,123 fine. Did we mention he was driving with a learner's permit? Whoops. Just slow down, hashtag WPS traffic. And this grabbed a ton of attention on Twitter. Um, we've been talking, Brett, about the fact that it feels as though people are driving faster in and around the city. People are driving with a greater disregard for the rules of the road. And this just jumped out at me as just an obscene speed on a, a corridor that I travel multiple times a day. But I have to say that it feels as though at times Chief Pegwis Trail has become a drag strip for some people. And this was in the middle of the day, was it not? It, it, not that I condone it at night but you expect some of that behavior when there's fewer people around or maybe even the potential to get caught and there it was in the middle of the day you mentioned chief pegwis we know there's been some concerns mentioned in the bridgewater neighborhood on the opposite end of the city with uh, the thoroughfare there with keniston and cars going through and so we've actually put an ask out to both police uh, in winnipeg and the rcmp about just how many kind of tickets like this they've been handing out this year because again like you said anecdotally 
we're hearing about more speeders and, and more dangerous driving, but I'm curious if actually the, the proof is in the tickets or the charges being laid, Brett. And this this is just another example of, the, I think, the, the feeling of invincibility mm-hmm. that young drivers sometimes feel. And I felt it too. You get behind the wheel and suddenly you've got control of, you know, that's 3,000 pounds of, you know, motorized death, essentially. And you feel like you're, you know, you feel like you're the boss. And I'm trying to figure out what kind of car this is. I'm looking at the picture. It looks like it might be a BMW. That's the insinuation. It's a BMW. M3 is what one of uh, my Twitter followers insinuated. I can't tell whether or not that's the case or not. Uh, There's also a suggestion for as the sun was shining in blue sky, it may have been closer to the evening, but Mm. in broad daylight, no question. And uh, was this associated with cruise night? All sorts of questions about that. Learner's permit. Who was in the vehicle with this individual? That's right. You have to be with somebody who's had their license for several years, right? It has to be an adult, 19, 20-year-old. I'm not 100% on the rules, but who was with him uh, in that car? And now what? I always forget about the the changes, right? The the the, the fact that it's way harder to get a driver's license. Yeah, graduated now. licensing program. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I... so maybe it might have been a different kind of restriction. Maybe just doesn't have their full license. Might be at that point where you, you uh, can only drive at certain times of the day, but you don't have to have somebody in the vehicle. But uh, regardless, that, that's an obscene and ridiculous. Uh, never mind the uh, safety issues of driving one sixty two and an eighty. Give me a break, buddy. Got to s- slow down. I imagine that individual won't be driving anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, the lesson hopefully shall be learned. Just slow down. You know, we play a lot of great music on the show, thanks to producer Jeff Forte. But there's only one man, Greg Mackling. Who gets Iron Maiden for the intro? That's the mayor of Winnipeg, Brian Bowman, who joins us now. Good morning, Mayor Bowman. Good morning. That always makes me smile too, and then you start asking me questions. <laughs> well, you know, you've been, you, you know, you, you know that sandwich you got to serve when you're uh, exactly. <laughs> interrogating certain up, people. Ease them in, yeah, ease them in, lull him in, and then hit him with the tough questions. All so right, here good we to go. Join you. Thanks for having me again. I've got the Daiwa rod and reel, so I'm going to roll you in yeah. and reel you in right now, Mayor exactly. Bowman. Right in you. I'm going to go right to your own backyard, Roblin Boulevard, sure. two and a half kilometer stretch of Roblin being resurfaced, reconstructed, right. Right now, and our friend Andrew Swanson scratching his head, wondering why on earth we're improving this stretch of Roblin without any improvement to cyclability. And I know you're going to tout the record amount of money that you spent on roadways and the and the award-winning cycling plan that will be implemented or is being implemented in bits and pieces. But does that plan include upgrading roadways without taking care of uh, cyclists at the same time? It does in some in some cases. It does not mean also you're getting a dedicated um, uh, active transportation path. Absolutely, and so there are there are um, active transportation and and cycling advocacy groups that uh, have been pushing for bike lanes on every single road or every major thoroughfare. We are following the award-winning pedestrian and cycling strategies. It's all available on the city's website. And uh, it does mean for targeted active transportation investments. And one of the things we're doing in Winnipeg is we're, we are playing catch up to other cities that have been really putting a focus on active transportation for much longer uh, period of time. And one of the things uh, I cycle, you know, I cycled to City Hall from Charleswood yesterday. And, um, you know, one of the things is trying to build the connectivity between 
those investments. And that's, that's where the strategy comes in so that we are being targeted with taxpayer dollars. Um, and so active transportation, uh, road investments and public transportation, they're all important for building a modern city and allowing for that mode choice uh, that Winnipegers increasingly are demanding. But if a section of a road is being repaired and repaved and it's up for an active transportation or bike lane, you know, two years from now, does it not make sense to do it at once? Because, you know, some of the frustrations for Winnipeggers is they'll drive around and saying, hang on, this road was just I just sat waiting in construction two summers ago when they repaved it. And now we're ripping up sections of it again to add a bike lane, which could be the case for a thoroughfare like Roblin. Why not do it in conjunction and take a look at that now? Well, are you saying that's the case there? I'm asking if that's the case, and if that's if if that's the case oh, for that yeah, route, no, I mean, then then why not no. do it in tandem? Well, I mean, you're uh, you're not you're not giving me an example of where well, that's happening. I, I, my understanding that Roblin was up. My understanding that Roblin was up yeah. for uh, an active transportation route route down the road, and so when you see work being done on it, you're it, some listeners are asking the question, why wouldn't they both be done now rather than going back to that road, say, two years from now? That's my understanding with problem. I, I'm happy sure. to be corrected, well, but but if that's closer, the case, then we're wasting time and money. Closer to your home, where, where you guys are typically working when you're, when you're in studio, um, you'll see there's a major uh, infrastructure project that's underway in the uh, Polo Park area, and that's a great example of where the road work and the active transportation investments are being upgraded together. And so absolutely the, the, the active transportation strategies, the reason we have it is so that when we do road repairs, we can look forward and then plan accordingly. And so uh, that is something that the, the city is actively doing. To jump to Portage and Main here, we've known for a few years now the underground concourse at Portage and Main was in need of major repairs. Uh, this morning, yeah. the Winnipeg Free Press sharing a report it obtained on that concourse, which goes into further detail about the waterproof membrane. Essentially, it's crumbling, it's failing, and when it was filed in 2018, it indicated replacement would be needed within five to ten years. Why was this report not made public in the first place? You know what? I, I haven't seen the report either. I know that Council had uh, commissioned a number of studies to be undertaken, and we'd provided the funding to do so. I'm working on the presumption that's what this report is uh, is fulfilling, is that Council direction. And so in due course, I expect Council, myself included, will be updated uh, accordingly. But it it should surprise no one that there are infrastructure needs uh, to the underground of that intersection. I've been saying that for years and we know that it's been neglected for decades. And so uh, this is something that I inherited and we have put money towards doing the kind of study that you're seeing uh, in today's paper. And you're gonna see further further details uh, emerge as we get updated as a council and, and move forward um, in due course. Mayor Bowman, if you haven't seen the study, who is the study uh, created for and who has seen it? Uh, you know what, that's a great question. I think it's, uh, my understanding is a consultant was providing it to the public service and the public service then um, will update myself and, and council. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's what I understand. But again, haven't seen it yet. So look forward to, to seeing it and an administrative report when an administrative report um, is necessary. I know councils, councils directed the public service to do this kind of work. And so, uh, the fact that they're doing it and fulfilling FIPA obligations in the process, they should be fulfilling FIPA obligations when they get them. So th- that's how this report was obtained through an access to information. So there are yeah. questions about where this report has been, you know, for the past few years. And then over and above that, Mr. Mayor, 
Uh, we did know there was major issues with that concourse. You stood in the underground, I think, back in 2017, 2018, talking about, you know, flooding and damage to the roof and the fact that at least $11 million worth of repairs would be required. Do you have any sense whether this new information on this membrane is over and above costs that we weren't aware of before that potentially we're talking about 15, 20 million, you know, a lot more money to fix crumbling infrastructure down there? Well, like I said, um, I haven't seen the report that you're referencing yet, so it's difficult to answer questions specifically on it. But um, you're right, I have been very public in saying that there will be some investments needed there. And in order to make targeted investments, just like your question on active transportation, you, you need to do the due diligence and you need to be thoughtful about taxpayer dollars. So the first step is let's see how bad the problem is under there so we can provide uh, council with uh, with adequate estimates so that uh, any money that is required going forward, we can actually have our due diligence undertaken. And that's that's what's going on right now. Mayor Bowman, we have 55 seconds here. Okay. What's going to come first? Uh, people demanding more transit or more transit, a ramp up of transit services as we uh, reopen the economy? Well, uh, you're right. The Premier and, and the provincial government are saying we want to get back to work. Um, to date, our transit ridership is down to uh, just over 30% capacity. So we've got about 30% of our, our typical ridership there. We've reduced the transit fleet as a result. It is slowly creeping up. And, um, you know, one of the issues that we're looking at and we've been asking the, the provincial government for is the issue of masks. Uh, we've asked for for clarity whether they're recommending transit riders wear masks or not. And um, that is part of the the risk assessment going forward that their public service is doing as we look to, uh, to, to expand the transit service when the demand is there. Mayor Brian Bowman, we've reached the other favorite part of these chats, the end. <laughs> for who? <laughs> for you, sir. Hey, thanks not a lot. Not for us. Not for us, to be clear. Yeah. Okay, man. Hey, thank, thanks a lot thank for joining much. us. Okay. Yeah, have a great day, everyone. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on this Jeff Fortier's birthday. I suggested a couple of weeks back that maybe we launch a new feature, a new intermittent feature, because Greg shares a lot of stuff with us. He He's addicted to Twitter, okay? I joke about, around with him all the time about that. And he'll send us tweet after tweet of stuff that he's just found interesting, and then we often never have time to discuss them on the show. And I thought, why don't we create a feature called Greg's Grab Bag where you can just unload some of the things that you have found <laughs> that are interesting, but we just, you know, we can't talk about everything, but... You're passionate about this stuff. So. Yeah, but I, I was, uh, for the last few days, convinced that this is just an attempt to stop me from sending <laughs> you stuff. Oh, yeah, you want to keep sending us stuff? We'll force you to come up with a regular segment on this and have me rethink my strategy. Well, but, uh, I, I, I could just delete my Twitter account because I don't need Twitter with Mackling around. <laughs> Retwitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so let's jump into this. Sometimes when we broach U.S. politics, in particular anything which has to do with President Donald Trump, we get accused of Trump bashing. In my opinion, playing a clip or reading a quote from the president shouldn't qualify as bashing. So to eliminate any such suggestions here, Twitter is a flutter about a quote from Texas Governor Greg Abbott and his approach to the fact Texas has seen 11 straight days of record COVID-19 levels and hospitalizations. What's your advice to Texans, Governor Abbott? Because the spread is, is so rampant right 
right now. There's never a reason for you to have to leave your home unless you do need to go out. The safest place for you is at your home. Can we just leave that there? Don't you never go out. You need to leave your home unless you need to go out. Mm, yes. I accept it. You accept it? Okay, we're giving that the endorsement. On Monday, we learned via tweets and a Facebook post from the Education Minister of Manitoba, Kelvin Kurtzen, that schools in our province would be open, uh, would open the Tuesday after Labor Day weekend, September 8th. Yesterday, the Premier was asked why this announcement was made via social media and not at a media conference. Well, I think to be fair, uh, it's it's always newsworthy when you close a school. I don't know if the reopening of schools in September is as newsworthy. That's a head shaker to me, guys. Uh, the Premier has at various times had me very impressed with the way he has handled the dramatic shifts that Manitobans have had to make in dealing with this pandemic. This response, however, and approach does not fall into that category. For parents, the planned reopening date for schools had to be one of the most anticipated dates of the past several months, especially when there were reasons to believe a late August restart date was on the table. So I just wanted to say uh, I'm very uh, encouraged by the possibility, but I would emphasize that we're still going to be monitoring our uh, COVID percentage test positive numbers and various other numbers around uh, our province uh, before uh, we'll uh, take this reopening to the bank. So I understand, you know, in these times, nothing is assured, nothing's a slam dunk. Based on the extended response from the Premier, to me, it highlights why there should have been a traditional news conference around this important subject. Loren, Brett, uh, when is an announcement an announcement? When you either stay in your home or you go out because you have to. (laughs) No, um, I just wanted to refer back to the Texas governor there. I think like, you know, one of the challenges here is there's been so much going on in the last four months. Like just sometimes per day, there are multiple three or four news conferences with government officials or then city officials and the mayor and the WFPS and what the next strategy is for the next step. And so it's really, really hard to keep up. And so I understand that Twitter is used as a tool to release information and sometimes announcements by a lot of organizations. But when it comes to something as big as this, this is an announcement that's not just worth declaring, here's the date. The news conference becomes important because it's not just, you know, the reporters and journalists. Like we're all human and we're, if you're a mom or dad, and even if you're not, you might be thinking, Brad, hey, I thought August 31st was the date or my friend's a teacher. She didn't know that was the date that this was happening. I mean, it's not just parents. There's staff members. There's thousands of people. And so people don't just want to hear the date. They want a chance to ask some questions and some really crucial questions. And so I think the announcement, um, would have been better served if that opportunity had been given. Now, Calvin Gertzen did come on our station and uh, answered uh, questions with Tristan Field Jones and yes. Julie Buckingham. So that, you know, that did happen, Brett. Yeah. I, whenever that kind of thing happens, it just feels like this is something they know they're going to be bombarded with questions. So let's just do it this way so we don't have to answer any questions, right? I think that's a fair assess- assessment. Okay. Now, I can admittedly be a little bit uh, superstitious. I jokingly say uh, I'm not superstitious, I'm just stitious. <laughs> I, 
I, I present the People's Exhibit A as to why. Yesterday, we discussed at length the bad experience we have had with uh, vehicles. We received dozens of Carmageddon-like stories Ooh. from you, our listeners. One of our most loyal texters is Kevin the Garbage Man. And at 8.12 yesterday morning, Kevin tweets a picture of hydraulic fluid or similar flowing from his garbage truck. His tweet... My day went from good to bad in a hurry. I can't help but feel like our conversation helped jinx him. So with the help of Buck Cherry Kevin. <laughs> now, none of the other lyrics other than I'm sorry apply here. It's a kind of a lovely uh uh, love song, but it's a, a damn fine song. And Kevin, please forgive us. I, I feel like we uh, dealt you a wrong, raw hand by talking about this extensively yesterday. So accept our apologies from the start. Greg's grab bag. I think we got to do this more. And make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at gmacwpg. McNabb on Global on Twitter. McNabb on CJ will be on Instagram. And you can follow me too on Twitter. Uh, at Brett McGarry. I don't, my Twitter rarely has any intelligent thoughts, just sort of random musings or, you know, funny things that happen in my life. Like I remarked the other day that I fell asleep on the couch in the afternoon and woke up and realized my t-shirt was on inside out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. It happens. That doesn't make you less of an adult. That happens to a lot of people. And and more importantly, can I circle back to Buck Cherry for a second? Mm-hmm. What's he sorry about? I'm looking at the lyrics now. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> like I like I get that it's kind of a love song and he loves this woman in his life or this man in his well, life. He's admitting and he didn't do everything right. But what? What did done, he do mm, wrong? Mm, that's open to interpretation. He made her cry. Why did he make her cry? That's well, what makes it an outstanding mixed tape song. It applies to various situations. But isn't that the basically the permanent state when you're in a relationship and you're the man? You're just always sorry oh, for come something. Oh no! Don't be like that. <laughs> I think I have an idea for a new st segment myself. Things that Brett can say that can raise the ire of one Loren McNabb. I'm God. like a cat right now. My back is arched, and if I had fur, it would be like I'd be. Skip You're lucky I can't see you right now. I am. Glad Don't you blanket statement relationships like that, or women, or men, or Buck Cherry. He's sorry, okay. But look at the reaction it just got. So that was that was fun. <laughs> and you're right, Loren. I'm glad that you're there and I'm here. And uh, well, yeah, I kind of like that segment too. Eve used to suggest when I uh, revealed that my initials are BS. Yes. McGarry. He said you should have a segment called I Call BS. You how should. About, how or about, a BS button. We need to get you one where it's just like BS. That you oh my God. How about how about poke the bear? With B.S. McGarry. Not calling you a bear, McNabb. Let's be clear. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the grumpy bear. What are you calling usually. me then? Uh, just just McNabb. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I dug it for myself there. I'm turning off my microphone now. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.